But the thing I want to talk about really quick, I have one little lesson because I want to do it for q and I think that's more important to ask what you want to talk about instead of just talking about what I want to talk about. And it's out of Romans chapter 15 in the message version. You don't have to go there, but it says this, that strength is for service, not for status. And, and I, I want that to be in your mind as I speak on this for the next few moments. I think a lot of times youth pastors, there's some people in this room, you're a youth pastor and you're so shocked. You're like, I cannot believe this is what I'm doing in my life. I never thought I was going to be doing this. I never thought I would be here. Then there's another group of people. You're like, I've been waiting for this all my life, okay? Since they laid hands on me at camp, since I saw Pastor Chad Beach, Pastor Judah, Pastor this, whoever your person is, you've been waiting for this moment, and now you're here. And whether, whether you were prepared for this or whether you weren't prepared for it, either way, the temptation can be, this is about me. And I need to let you know, it's not about you. I know we know that, I know we say that, and I know that we even know it intuitively, but oftentimes when I look at youth pastors' life and I listen to what they're saying and I talk to them, it seems like they're more concerned with themselves than they are with their students. It seems like they're trying to reach 15-year-old version of them than the 15-year-old student in the room. And we have to make sure as leaders and pastors that we're doing what we're called to do, not doing what we necessarily want to do. Yeah. And the reason I say I wanted to open up with that verse is because I think sometimes as youth pastors, we can get caught up in reaching the world when that's not on your job description. Yeah. I know so many youth pastors that are more concerned with fulfilling their destiny than they are concerned filling their job description. And I need to tell you this, you did not get hired because of your destiny. Well, you don't know my destiny. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. I'm be honest. You're, the parents of the students that go to your youth ministry, they don't care either. Right. They, when they see you, they're, seeing, they're hopefully seeing somebody that's committed to their student, not someone who's too committed to student ministry. I think sometimes I've met people in preachers that are youth pastors, and they're more obsessed with youth ministry than the youth of their ministry. And we got to make sure that we're not obsessing on the subject matter. Let's obsess with the students. We got to make sure that we're not doing what we're doing for status because I'm not going to lie. It does feel good to hold a microphone. Okay. I'm not going to lie. It does feel good to have people follow you. It does feel good to stand on the micro to stand on the stage, grab a microphone and wow people. It does. That's why we have to make sure it's not about that. That's why you have to crucify that every day. You don't crucify that once. You crucify that every day. You have to make the decision to say, Hey, I'm committed to the ministry of the house. I'm committed to the house, not committed to my room. And as youth pastors, you are giving keys to your room. You have not been giving keys to the house. Don't think because you have a room and you can put the bed there, you can put your couch there, you can put your poster up, it's all about you. No, you're a room in a home. And the home is led by the pastor of the house. And that pastor needs to know that the person that they employ to be a youth pastor is more concerned with going across the street than they are concerned with going across the country. If you want to go across the country, quit your job. I'm being serious. I meet so many youth pastors that are just waiting to be an evangelist. If that's on your life, do it. Step out. If it's going to happen, it'll happen. If it's not supposed to happen, that's how you'll know. But I think in this season, we got to make sure that we know that our strength, what you've been given, your gifts in this season are not meant to Make it about yourself. It's not about your Instagram. It's not about the soundbite. It's not about anything else except the students in the room. The students will know. Gen Z, if there's anything I know about this generation, they're really good sifting if you're real or you're not. They, they're, they're so good. They will continue to come to the ministry because they like the friend and they hate the speaker. 
they'll continue to come to the ministry. So don't think because your numbers are growing is because of you. No, God's doing something and he's using you. But I think in this season, you need to go home. I'm going to encourage every youth pastor to do this. Go home and ask your, your senior pastor, what do you want me to do? Don't, don't leave this conference and see everything Pastor Jake's done and say, oh, I'm going to go back home and do that. Your pastor may not want you to do this. You, you, may, you may see something that Bethel did, but you're not at Bethel. You may see something that Elevation's doing or Free Chapel, whatever your church of choice is to watch online, and you may try to take their vision and put it here. No, no, no. We didn't call you for that. We called you to come behind this house. We called you to come behind this ministry. You want to know if you're a good youth pastor? Ask your other staff members, are you a good staff member? Then you'll know if you're a good youth pastor. You want to know if you're a good youth pastor? Ask the parents. Don't ask what's growing because when, if we guide ourselves and we grade ourselves by growth, we will always think we're doing the best when we're doing great and the numbers are big and we'll think we're doing horrible when the numbers are small. I've had big numbers and had no character. I've had big numbers and had an addiction. I've had big numbers and hated people. Big numbers is not an indication of God's grace on your life. You walk into things of God as an indication of God being a part of your life. So I just want to encourage you, this strength that you have, these gifts, these talents, your ability to communicate to the next generation, steward them. And steward them well. If you're a good preacher, become a great preacher. If you're a good leader, become a great leader. But don't make this about status. Don't make this about how many followers I have, how many engagements I have. And if that's something that God has put on your life, that's great. But if that's something that God has not put on your life, just follow your job description. And you will have more peace knowing that you're doing a good job in your job than trying to chase peace knowing if you're the best youth pastor in the world. You may never be the youth pastor, best youth pastor in the world. And if you ever become the best youth pastor in the world, you're the best youth pastor in the world for one minute. Yeah. <laughs> for one minute. So enjoy your minute. But as soon as it comes, it's going to go. So as you go home, as you leave, I'm, I'm not trying to discourage you, but I am trying to remind you that you signed a job description. This is not your job. You need, it's not your job to make your ministry about yourself. It's your job to make the ministry about the students. And it's your job to do what your senior pastor has asked. Man, that's not fun. Yeah, life's not always fun, people. <laughs> it's not. But it's better to be a good staff member and know that you can be trusted than it is to be the person that comes in. And I've seen so many people try to make the ministry about themselves and it's never fulfilling. It will always be fulfilling when you care more about the house than you do your room. And so I just want to encourage you with that. That is my youth pastor encouragement today. Um, but I would love to answer some questions, whether that's youth ministry or anything. What do you got, Pastor Jay? Dude, I was just wondering, uh, it dawned on me, all the great leaders you've, you've been around, well, give me a trait that you see maybe a common one or one that you're like, I want to I want to emulate something like that. Yeah, I think they every leader that I've been under that I all of them, they all were committed to being who God has called them to be instead of emulating what other people are doing. Like a lot of people think Pastor Jensen's the best person in the world. No, Pastor Jensen's great at being Pastor Jensen. A lot of people think Pastor Steven's like the best. He took this person. No, Pastor Steven's good at being Pastor Steven. And a lot of us think we're attracted to the gifts of people. We're not. You're really attracted to the confidence of people's uniqueness. And so I, I think if we can learn to be committed to our uniqueness, like, hey, I'm kind of weird. I'm kind of different. I don't like this. I don't like these jokes. But hey, it is what it is. But it's me. Let me own that. And that's what I probably learned from all those leaders. They were committed to being who God has called them to be, not committed to being what culture tells them to be. And when I say culture, I don't mean the culture of the world. I mean the culture of the church, because there is a culture of the church that is more pervasive, that is more addicting, that causes way more pain to young leaders in the culture of the world. I think the culture 
culture of the church is killing youth pastors and the culture of the world is killing young people. Yes. What's the best advice you can give to growing a junior high ministry? Growing a junior high ministry. What's your name? What is it? Aiden, I would just say, I don't know about growing a youth, uh, middle school ministry, but I know that it's important to grow the middle schooler. I, I really don't try to think about growing the number. I think try to growing the person. I think when you try to grow a number, you will feel like hell sometimes when 30 kids show up and then the next week it's like 27. I know it's three, but those three make a difference, don't they? You're like, oh God, where are the other three at? So I think what makes a great um, ministry is that a lot of these kids, and I think we forget this, they go to school every day, right? They go to school Monday through Friday. Most of them are sitting in rooms with about 30, maybe 20 to 30 students. So when we get up and we preach to 20 to 30 students, it's not small to them. They're used to that. They're used to a teacher being able to teach them a subject matter, whether that's arithmetic, whether that's English, no matter what it is, science. They're used to being taught like this with a few people. So don't be weird when it's small. Be, be teachy. Teach them. Sh instruct them. Show them the things of God. And I think as you prioritize a middle school student, they will see that and they'll invite their friends. They invite their friends to what they're growing in. They don't invite their friends what's not working for them. So that would be my encouragement. Don't even focus on the numbers. I know that sounds bad, but um, I've seen a lot of big numbers. I've took 500 kids to camp. I've had nights over 300, 400. And I'm going to be honest, I was never focused on the number. Every time I focus on the number, it was like the most depressing night of my life. Like it was like 413, but I was mad because it wasn't 500 because that's what culture does. That's what this youth ministry world does. So I would just say focus on growing the name. Don't grow the number, grow the name, grow the person. Don't grow the amount. And as you grow the person, that person may grow the amount. So that's what I would encourage you with. Yes. Yeah. What would you say is a, a great win and a, a tough loss that you had in leading and developing your leaders? Uh, like you said, when you were uh, at, in Orlando, that you yeah. weren't the youth pastor, you were the one pastoring the, the pastors and something like The great win was seeing them become who God has called them to be. There's nothing better than knowing that, man, you have it in you. And you see them, you see them realize they have it in them. Yeah. So I think, I think that was good. I think my best youth ministry win uh, has been me going back to Free Chapel. So I was on staff at Free Chapel. I left for about two years. I came back recently. I went to their youth night. Now, I think the biggest night I ever got, and this was like probably with all the campuses coming together, maybe 450, something like that. Yeah. I went to youth last Wednesday. I'm not lying. At FCY, they had over 650 students. All my core team are staff members now. They're all walking around like, hey, Ty, we doing stuff. I don't know what you're doing, but we doing stuff, okay? <laughs> you know, you did your little thing. So my greatest win is seeing them walk into their gift and not need me. So I think that's great. Um, I think the hardest loss were the seasons that I made it about Instagram. And not Instagram necessarily like actual Instagram, but just people looking at me. Like I was always wondering, what do people think? And, and it steals from attention. It steals from uniqueness when you're like, Man, so I, and I think that was probably a consistent, and if I'm honest, even as an evangelist, it creeps up where like, am I doing, I'm not doing what Layla's doing, I'm not doing what this person's doing, and it's that comparison game of other people. So I would say um, that was probably my biggest loss, just those times I got distracted by other things, and my biggest win is seeing my staff, or seeing the staff, the leaders now be on staff and take it further and farther than I ever That's could, awesome. so. Thank you. That it. You're welcome. Yes? Do you ever feel hopeless with students that you feel like they're not getting through to? And if you ever do feel that way, like how do you overcome that? Um, yes, I think we all do. Um, I learned really quick that youth ministry is about sowing seeds, not about gathering fruit. When you, when you, when you make it like that, it gets so fun. It's so fun throwing seeds. It's like, 
Seeds, 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 seeds. When you start making it about fruit, you're like, fruit? Where's the Oh, there's a flower, okay. There's a leaf, and then someone stomps on the leaf, and you're like, man, now my whole ministry is, is crucified, you know? So I think my hopelessness, I have to remember I'm not the Messiah. I just get to talk about them. When you know that, you're like, I don't have to save them. I don't have to be their God. I don't have to be anything. All I am is a voice. Hopefully they get it. Hopefully they do. But the Bible says he gives seeds to the sower. He doesn't give fruit. He gives seeds. And so I would say make your ministry about seeds. And for the places when you find yourself getting uh, hurt, zoom out. Like just zoom out. Instead of thinking about two weeks or two months, if you've been in the ministry long enough for two years, think about who have I produced in two years? Where are those leaders at right now? Where is this student? Is this student preaching now? Wow, that's amazing. And if we really do it for the one, if we really do it for the one, we'll stay encouraged because you never know what that one will become. You never know. Sometimes the one will become the next senior pastor. Sometimes the one will become the next leader. You just never know. So I would encourage you, don't look for the fruit. Just sow the seed and just keep your mind Focus on God. Anybody else? Hello? Yeah, I guess one of my questions would be, my husband and I, we just started our youth ministry a year ago. Um, and I think one of our biggest hurdles has been building culture, because this is a lot of our students' first time in a youth ministry. So what would be your best piece of advice for building culture within our leaders and within our students? Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal question. I'll say this, you're building culture whether you want to or not. And so you just gotta figure out what culture am I building? I think culture is consistent. What you do consistently is your culture. I remember when I was younger, Pastor Jabin Chavez, the way he described culture stayed with me. He said, culture is, this is how we do things here. That's what a culture is. When you walk into Target, this is how they do things here. When you walk into Walmart, you know exactly what you're gonna get. That's how they do things over there. And so I would encourage you that every day, culture, there's a, there's a statement that I, I, I hate this statement. It's not caught, it's taught. You have to teach people to catch. So it's it's really not caught, it really is taught. And the people that caught it learn how to catch it. And so I would encourage you to teach it, teach it. Never expect them to do something you haven't explained to them. I think sometimes we can get so mad at our leaders, it's like, they're not amening. It's like, well, did you tell them? Yeah, I told them once, when? I told them last February. Well. Okay, well, it's, it's March of 2023. So like anything that you want, teach it, teach it, teach it. I was taught this by one of my supervisors actually um, at Elevation Church, her name was Brittany Atkinsola. And she said, they are just now getting it when you get, when you get done, like when you get tired of saying it. Yeah. So when you get tired of saying it, they're finally getting it. Right. So if you're not tired of saying amen, if you're not tired of saying, hey, y'all need to post about each other, y'all need to post about this minute, if you're not tiring, uh, tired about it, they're probably not gonna do it. So I would encourage you to be annoying. Anyone that has a great culture is annoying about it. I'm gonna be honest, working at Elevation Church, say you're going to a service if you want to. Hey, we're going to the nine o'clock service. Service? That's a funeral. No, we're going to the nine o'clock experience. It's one word. But that one world means a lot in their culture. And so they corrected that one word because that culture told them to. So I would just encourage you to be annoying about it. Know that it's your ministry to design. It's your ministry to lead. And just be, be annoying about the culture because it's very, very important. Anybody else? So you travel all over the world basically preaching. How do you maintain your work life or ministry life balance like between you and your wife? I talk to my wife a lot. I, and, and, I, and I say... 
And I'll say this, because I know we laugh, but I know a lot of pastors. I know a lot. I'll just say this, because it's not usually, I don't usually run into, like, women that are leading. I run into guys that are leading youth ministry with their spouses and things like that. And I'll have a guy, and I'll just be very, very um, honest. I had this youth pastor that I was talking to one time, and he called me and said, man, Ty, dude, I'm, I'm struggling right now with porn still and all this stuff. And I told him, I said, did you, did you tell your wife? He's like, whoa, hey, hey now. <laughs> no, I'm calling you. You're my accountability partner. I was like, no, you need to tell your wife. I talked to Victoria about everything. I talked to her about my days of temptation. I talked to her about sermons that I think are fire. She don't really listen to the sermons ones, but I just talked to her. Um, I will, I'll be like telling her like, hey, this is, do you like it? And she's like, She's like, let's go to dinner. <laughs> let's get sushi. <laughs> and so I, I think for me, my balance is making sure, man, I'm talking to Victoria. Yeah. Like um, this guy gave me this advice the other day. He said, every time you get off the pulpit, text your wife or call her. Just text, just to remind yourself, well, I'm a human. I'm not a preacher. I'm not this. I'm, I'm a person. And so I try my best to do that. Trips that I really, um, she doesn't travel with me at all. Usually it's uh, Daniel Stango, who started with me as a small group, and now he works with me. So give it up for Daniel. But... Uh, the biggest balance is making sure that uh, I'm talking to my wife and making sure, and my wife making sure I'm talking to God, not just working for God. She asked me the other day, I got really mad about something, and she said, you didn't pray, have you? You haven't prayed this last two days, have you? And I was like, one, don't you ever. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but I, you know what I thought was cool is that my wife noticed. Does your spouse even notice if you're not praying? Do they know to ask the questions? Do they know the signs? And so I would just say, be, be so open with your wife, man. Be open with your spouse. I'm, I'm more open with her than any other pastor preacher in the world because she is my world. She's the one that's going to ensure. My wife told me something a few months ago. The best thing, this is how I know I married a good one. I'm going to tell you. It's not just because she cooks. We were sitting down, and a preacher comes on TV, and we're watching the news, and this preacher falls. And, and she just saw, saw me. When a preacher falls, I get hurt because I didn't grow up with a father spiritual leaders, they mean a lot to me. Pastors mean a lot to me. I would look at my life and I would model my life after these men. So when they fall, it's just really hard. My wife knows I'll shut down for a few days. I don't, I don't like making fun of them because they have made an impact on me. You know, some of their messages marked me and molded me for who I am. And we're sitting down watching the news and my wife looks over at me after the news segment is over and she says, I'm never, I never want you to ever have to cheat. And she's like, not necessarily because I know that I'm gonna forgive you, She's like, I know that you would hate yourself if you did that. I know you would hate yourself. So anything that I can do to make sure that this never becomes you, please let me know. Please talk to me. If it's about anything, if it's about the way I'm doing things, about the way I'm living my life. She's like, if, I, if, it, if it's even, she went as deep as a sex life. And I'm, and I'm saying these things because this stuff is important. And I was like, man. I called one of my friends. I said, hey, bro, this is what my wife just said to me, bro. This is what my wife just said to me, bro. She's a good one, bro. And so like, to me, and I, I wouldn't have known that if I, didn't, if I never talked to her. Yeah. And so I have to choose to talk to my wife like an equal. Just because I'm the one holding the microphone doesn't mean she has anything to offer, and I really do believe that. She's just as anointed as I am. So, but I think that's a mindset thing as a man and as a person more than anything. So, um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, you, you mentioned being a good staff member earlier. What, what would you say are like, the characteristics? The characteristics of a good staff are the values of your staff. So I would say the characteristics are what your pastor and what your executive pastor says. I think one is being on time. Um, I think that's important as a youth pastor. We all know, we get the, we get the excuse, um, you, you're the youth pastor. I think another one, being a good staff member, and this may offend some people, is dressing like a staff member. Yeah. Just because, you're, don't dress like a youth pastor. Dress like you may have to, like a donor may walk into the church and their first interaction may be you. Do you want, 
one of the most important people to walk in the church to see you wearing yellow Crocs right now. You know, you know, is that a good indication of who you are? And I, I see some youth pastors and I see their outfits and I'm being honest. It's like your outfits represent you sometimes. And we're so like we're trying to be like streetwear. But it's like, no, you work at a church staff, bro. Like, so keep that in mind. Um, and two. And I think the third thing is championing the vision of a senior pastor. I was talking to someone one day and this guy loves Pastor Stephen Furtick. And I called him. and I said, man, I would hate to be your pastor. And he was like, why? I said, because you post about Pastor Stephen every week. Man, best message in the world. I said, Pastor Stephen don't know who you are. He doesn't. He doesn't. And if he met you, he would ask you about your pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would encourage most youth pastors in this room, your, your Stephen Furtick is your senior pastor. That's it, period. And maybe if you supported him, like Stephen Furtick could support, maybe he would become the next Stephen Furtick. And I'm not saying that against you. I'm just saying that with a lot of people. We got to serve the people and the leaders that God has given us. And so that's, those are the few things I would say make a great staff member.